How's that for you? It's a little out there, right? And we're calling this series Out There. Ezekiel, in his visions, he has these visions of, of uh, bones and thrones and rivers and wheels. And it's all these uh, crazy things. There's parts of Scripture that are difficult to interpret. There's other parts of Scripture that are just wild, just intense. And uh, Ezekiel can come across as kind of an eccentric prophet in his visions and even his behaviors, the way that he chooses to illustrate his sermons are just strange. Um, So why? Why are we doing this? Why Ezekiel? Why now? Well, for those who know me, you know I like to preach the prophets. Uh, Last year we preached through the prophet Amos and we found that it was actually quite relevant to things that were going on in the world and and, uh, very much to our day relevant, and we had a good time with that, even though my mom would say, not Amos again, you know, she, but we got through it, and uh, she got through it, that's good. Um, So why Ezekiel? Because I even get hung up with Ezekiel. I remember at the beginning of when the uh, pandemic stuff, in the spring of 2020, I decided, oh, I got some extra time. Let's read through the Bible again. Start at the beginning. I got a new Bible and started reading from Genesis straight through. And I got to Ezekiel. I really got hung up. I got bored. I had to reread things. It was confusing. And I remember specifically getting hung up in Ezekiel. Um, however, through the because of the pandemic, I was actually exposed to some teaching. I was able to take a class that was happening in London, but I was able, because of it was a web-based thing, I was able to tune in with some colleagues and study Ezekiel. And really, they made a, a very compelling case of why Ezekiel is a great text for people like us in our culture, in our situation today, and, and relevant for us. And I felt compelled that we really should explore this together. And so we're going to spend seven weeks in Ezekiel. It's a long book. I mean, this is 48 chapters in your Bible, if you've read through. So this is a big chunk of the scriptures. So hopefully, if we can understand that, and it's going to link to other parts of the Bible. So uh, it's just by its sheer volume, this should be good for us. But really, I have two main goals overall, overarching this series. The one goal is to consider how we know what we know about God? Or answer the question, where do you get your ideas about who God is and what God's like and what he would do or not do? You know, people have all kinds of ideas about who God is and what he's like. And um, even people who are Christians or who are, you know, Bible-believing Christians have these notions of God that really aren't in the Bible. Even if you ask people to describe, what do you think God, you know, would look like And people would sometimes describe this, you know, grandfatherly figure, an old wise man with a long white beard and very gentle. And that's not, that's not Ezekiel's vision. People don't say, I'm thinking molten metal with rainbow fires all around. I mean, that's more of an an image there. Um, Nothing like the old kind man on the clouds. So who is God really, and and where do you get those ideas about who God is? And and Ezekiel's going to give us some pictures and some images here. Uh, The second goal is to learn how to live in a world where um, we feel more and more like outsiders. In 
Ezekiel here, his prophecy all happens when he's in exile. He's not in you know, the promised land. He's not where God had placed them. He's in this foreign land. And more and more, we live out our faith in what feels like a foreign place. And there's a lot of research on this, but basically, fewer and fewer people are professing faith in Jesus Christ. Fewer and fewer people are connected to faith communities, to Christian communities. And this has only been sped up through the pandemic. So many people during pandemic have stayed connected to churches through online streams, like many of you are doing today. And that's good to stay connected. But a lot of other people just dropped out. We saw that in our church, not in a big way, but we saw it a little bit. And other regions and other churches have seen a, kind of a more of a massive a dropping away from the faith. And what that means now is that the culture around us in our world does not reinforce my Christian values or my Christian worldview. So more and more, I'm living out my faith uh, in ways that don't look like what the world prioritizes. And if I'm not careful, if we're not careful, we'll just get absorbed into the culture around us. And we don't want that. Or our faith becomes this thing that we plug into on Sundays and then unplug from. And if, if you heard Kathy's message from last week, that was the, the image. It was that our faith was not meant to be you know, plugged in and then we unplug and go live life and then we come plug back in and recharge and go live life. But the image is, is not of electricity. The image is organic. It's being connected to a vine. Uh, uh, branches connected to a vine being constantly nourished through the, through the vine into the branches and we're to live connected. But we're doing that, we're living that way of life in a world that is can even seem hostile towards that. So that's my kind of my two goals. How do we view God and what is God like? And getting a, a firmer picture of that from Scripture. And then also, how do we live it out in this world around us? And it starts with this vision. What is it? Where is it? Why is it there? Uh, but, but before that, a little bit about Ezekiel. So Ezekiel is described in verse 3 as a priest. So he was from the tribe of Levi. So he was a it was kind of a, a special person. He was in training to be a priest, and he had special role to do in the life of worship of these of of, of, of God's people. And he's he's got this special role in the life of Israel, but he's not in Israel. He's in Babylon. He's he might as well be on the other side of the earth. The the king at the time, uh, Jehoiachin, he uh, surrenders to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar takes the king and he takes a bunch of these people, including Ezekiel, and he takes them to Babylon. It's a kind of a first wave of exiles that have to leave their homeland and they have to leave their temple and their way of life and they're now in Babylon. Now there's going to be a second wave of exiles when Nebuchadnezzar goes back and he destroys the city, he destroys the temple. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But here we have this man who's living in exile. And exile becomes a good image for us. Not to overstate it, but again, we can feel as Christians like exiles, you know, living in a world that's not our own. That Christianity, following Jesus, is more and more alien to the culture that we live in. Now, 
we don't face persecution like Christians in other countries in the world. So I don't want to overstate it. And there are places where Christians are pursued and harmed and imprisoned and even killed for their faith. We don't experience those things. But there are issues, ethical issues, issues of human sexuality, views of the sanctity of human life. There are things that we that are part of our worldview and our understanding through the lens of our faith that are at odds with the culture around us. And, and just on a number of levels. So how do we live out our faith in that sort of feeling like a foreigner at times? But really, this image of exile, just sort of any bad situation where you feel like you're just in the wrong place, uh, you're in a, a bad place, you're stuck there, that can feel like exile. Again, not to overstate it, but I, I think it's, a, it's an okay concept. So here's Ezekiel. He's, he's in exile, and it's his 30th birthday. This, um, my 30th year could mean it was his birthday that day. If that's true, then he was right on a huge milestone in his life as a priest. So as a priest, you're in, you only do your official priestly duties between the ages of 30 and 50. So on his 30th birthday, it's you know, time to, you know, it's like you know, getting your driver's license or having a big milestone or a graduation. Like he is right at this beautiful point where he's supposed to start doing all these special things in the temple, but he's nowhere near the temple. And he's sitting by the river, and I picture him just kind of sulking and just sort of thinking about his life, and what am I doing out here? We can relate to that, where you have these big milestones that you just can't, that just don't come to be, and through the, especially through pandemic. There was students who didn't, you know, walk in their high school graduations. There was, you know, people who, I, had a, I, had, did, a, I did a wedding, it was postponed four times, four different dates. And then, thank God they're married, and it was great. But just, you know, missing a milestone, even the way we uh, celebrate funerals and things like that, there's just, um, you missed it. And here's Ezekiel, ready for this big milestone, and he's in a land of polytheism, there's idolatry, it's just this unclean land, and he can't do what he was called to do, and then, boom, he has this vision, this out there, crazy vision, and here's what it is. What is it? Verse 4, we got flashing lightning, brilliant light, glowing kind of a thing. This is an image of God's glory. You can see that, right? There's these creatures that are there, these sort of angelic creatures. There's four of them. Each has four faces all around, a human face, a lion face, an ox face, and an eagle face. You know, humans is the, the greatest wisdom of all created beings. You've got the lion, that's the, this image of, of uh, power and of uh, just the ferocious image. You've got the eagle, which is just the highest of the birds, the freedom and the flight of an eagle. And then the ox, the strength, kind of the highest of the domesticated animals. These are the, these are the greatest creatures. So each one creature has all four of these faces, and they're standing, the four of them. And these four creatures have wheels. Okay, each has a, so there's four wheels, and they're also sparkling. So it's sort of like a chariot, 
It's, it's, a, it's a cart. It's some kind of thing on wheels, but the wheels are wheels within wheels, so it can go any direction. It doesn't have to turn. It just goes. It's multi-directional, and it, it's an image of omnipresence. It's everywhere. It can go wherever it wants. Unrestricted freedom of movement. On those wheels, there's eyes covered all over these wheels. So every direction, there's eyes seeing. It's, it's, a, it's a picture of omniscience, all-knowing. So it's every place it wants to go. It can see whatever it wants to see. It's got these majestic creatures with wings. And then there's a, a vault or a box, and the angel's wings are touching under the box. So if you know your scriptures... There's, when, when God gave the instructions, it, God allowed the people to build him uh, a, a temple, a place where he could be worshipped. And when God was giving the instructions to the first place of worship, it was more of a, a tent than a building. There was a special box called the Ark of the Covenant, and the, on top of it were angels, and the wings were touching over the box. And that's where God's presence and his glory could be experienced in a special way. So here we have the box, and instead of the angel wings kind of covering it, we have the box on top of the angel wings. And in that box is a spectacular throne, and it's also sparkling and, and brilliant, and there's a person on the throne, and this is like glowing metal, and it's fire, and it's brilliant. It's a, it's a mobile throne. It's moving around every direction. What is it? Ezekiel says in verse 28, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. That's what it was. But where was it? Because this image is similar to other images in Scripture of God's glory. So when, when, when God's glory is seen, when they built the first you know, permanent temple for God, this is the time of King Solomon, and God gave them permission. He said, I don't need a temple, but he allowed them to build a place of worship. And when they finished, God's glory entered in, and there was smoke and the fiery kind of imagery filling that temple. And the prophet Isaiah, he also had this spectacular vision. Isaiah chapter 6 says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And he goes on to describe cherubim and smoke and all these things. But it was filling the temple. It was fulfilling a specific place. Now we have a similar image, but it's on the move. This thing's on wheels and it's going all around in every direction. God revealed himself specially in, a, in this temple, in this special building. But God was never restricted to one place. And perhaps God's people were lulled into thinking, okay, if we want to know God's way, if we want to know God's presence, we have to be at this special place and do our special sacrifice, and then I'll go live life. Then I'll go do the other things, and I'll come back and do spiritual things, and I'll leave and do my normal life. And... Here, it, for us, again, I think we could fall into that same trap, that we do our spiritual things on certain days of the week and certain times, and then we go live normal life. And here the image is, God sees everything, and he is everywhere, and he's on the move. Where? Out there, by the Kibar River, of all places, in the land of the Babylonians. 
Verse 3 says, there the hand of the Lord was on him. It's not just what Ezekiel saw, it's where he saw it. He thought he was as far as he could be from the presence of God. The place where God seemed to be absent, the place where he, the people felt rejected, this whole place where God could never be is now invaded by an image of God's very throne. For us, we need to remember that God is omnipresent, that God is everywhere. Even in the lonely places, the, the places you feel isolated, the places you feel far from God, the places that are so discouraging, you can't imagine why God would have you there. That's the place where God is. God is with you. And God can do spectacular things in those terrible places. Because God is amazing and he's wild and he's on the move today just like he was in that throne with that chariot with wheels in the throne in Ezekiel's vision. And he wants us to know it and he wants us to see it and experience it even in those places. And that's a comforting thought if you find yourself in one of those places. And I'm sure Ezekiel was comforted by this Present, by seeing the presence of God in this lonely place. However, although it's a comfort that God was there, why is he there? We've got fire, a windstorm, burning coals, flashes of lightning. In a sense, that's a comforting image, but that's a very ominous image as well. God is there to judge. God is bringing judgment. They were in exile because of their sin, because they had rebelled against God. So God allowed the Babylonian king to take them to this place, away from their promised land, away, away from their places of worship. So because of their sin, but it wasn't like they got there and said, oh no, we should turn back to God. It didn't, this punishment didn't even work. They were still rebellious. They were still hard-hearted out in that place. And God is now stirring up a storm and bringing his presence to them. And it is an image of of judgment. The point here is that when God is on the move, you can't run and hide. When God stirs up the storm, you can't run from God. Just read the prophet Jonah who tried to do that. I mean, God, if here in this room and listening online, if you're kind of just checking out faith in God with a family member or a friend of yours who's just, just visiting with us, if God is out to get you, you cannot run and hide. It is an irresistible force, and God is coming, but he comes with judgment, and that's unpopular. We try to make our gatherings and our worship services very non-threatening, um, you know, not very popular to preach judgment, but if, when, when God's people understand his judgment properly, they worship properly. If you understand God's seriousness in his judgment, you understand how great his grace is. The fact that God would even go to the places where his sinful people are to, to show them who he is, to show that they, they're on the wrong path and to call them back into relationship with him, that is a God of grace. And if all of the molten metal and fiery rainbows is too much, just picture a Jewish man from the first century named Jesus who went from place to place saying, repent, turn from your sins, the kingdom of God is here. 
and he showed what God's kingdom was about, he gave his life to forgive us. We have to understand the need for that, our need for forgiveness, so that we can receive his grace and that we can follow him. And then we can worship properly. So what does Ezekiel do? So this is very, this is comforting that God's there, but very awesome and very threatening in a sense as well. Verse 28, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. And in the weeks to come, we're going to hear what God spoke to Ezekiel and then what, God, what Ezekiel spoke, uh, what the Lord told him and how the Lord um, taught through him as well. For you, whatever your images of God or your ideas about who God is and what he would or wouldn't do, I just pray that you would see God for how awesome and his amazing splendor and that that God who is so immensely powerful over all creation is coming to you calling you to himself. He wants you to worship him and he wants you to hear his voice. Let us pray. Father God, I pray that you would take us out of any kind of complacency. If any of us have come here stagnant in our faith and in our view of you, Lord, just give us a bigger view of who you are. And everything that we desire to do this year, everything we put our, our, our faces towards, every step we take, We pray that you would guide our steps, that you would direct our paths, that we would know that you're with us. Even in those lonely and isolated and faraway places, Lord, you are there and you are on the move. Help us to see you. Help us to know the truth of who you are. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.